Delaware State of the Arts. I'm Andy Truscott. My guest today is J.C. Barker, the executive director of the Delaware Symphony Orchestra. The Delaware Symphony Orchestra, or DSO, is dedicated to enriching lives through the inspiring musical experiences. It strives to present all activities while upholding its core values of building and sustaining trust, commitment to quality, access for all, curiosity, open-mindedness, and exploration. JC, thank you so much for joining me today. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that you started with the DSO just days right before the COVID pandemic shut down gathering spaces for live events. Uh, <laughs> as you made your way into Delaware, kind of not knowing right what the future would bring, how did you and the DSO navigate your way through that period? Well, Andy, thanks for having me today. And um, so I came from, I was in Mobile, Alabama, I was the general manager of the Mobile Symphony in Mobile, Alabama. I had been there for 15 years. I was approached about coming to Delaware to become the executive director during the course of the winter of 2019-20. I was made an offer to come and take the position here in early February of 2020. I signed the contract to come to Delaware on the 27th of February, 2020. And on March the 13th, 2020, everything stopped. It was an interesting time. I know I'm not alone. I know many people had very interesting times, but I was looking at a way to um, transition to a new position, was attracted to this position for a number of reasons. And I really didn't know if it was a puzzle that I was going to be able to, to figure out. I think a lot of people were that way. Uh, a big thing happened here, actually, before I landed on the ground in Wilmington, and that is that the board of directors of the symphony had emergency meetings and decided what they would do is that they would honor the contracts and the pay of all of the musicians that were contracted through that season, which is a very big deal. Orchestras all over the country began to furlough musicians without pay at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was a crisis time for performing artists everywhere. The board here decided to do what they needed to do to raise the funds to honor the contracts through the end of the 2020 season and pay all of those musicians for contracted services. Um, it was a big deal. They had to turn around in a matter of days and raise almost $100,000 to do that. And they did it. I was in Mobile and I was on a conference call with uh, the interim um, executive director at that point, Dave Fleming, and our board president at that point, uh, Charlie Babcock, and some other board members, and they told me they had made this decision. When they told me they had made that decision, something clicked in my mind, and I said, well, now this is probably a group that I could work with, to have community members serving on a board that would make the effort to take care of their musicians in that way is extraordinary. And it remained our focus throughout the pandemic. I did arrive. I got here on May the 15th, 2020. Uh, I had no understanding of where I might live. I rented an apartment online. I lived downtown in Wilmington on 9th Street, <laughs> right behind the offices and a block from the Grand. Everything was shut down. It was an interesting time. There was no networking. Uh, Andy, I think I, one of my first networking experiences was with you and a handful of other arts folks at the Chelsea Tavern, we sat outside. And um, I remember just listening very intently to all of you talk about Wilmington and Delaware and the art scene. And um, 
for the next months, that's really what I did as I listened. So it, it was an interesting time. Uh, when I did get here and I saw what we had to do, we did like a lot of other groups. The Grand Opera House did this, Upper Delaware did this. Everybody was trying to figure out how are we going to serve our community without the ability to interact personally. And uh, we did, we figured out a way to A, keep musicians employed or, and keep them safe and also be able to produce some content for our uh, patrons. And we did that through that 2020-21 season and then through the beginning of the 21-22 season. And the Delaware Symphony finally played their first concert in front of a live audience at the Grand in February of 2022. So we went a long time without playing before big audiences. What makes you excited about the work that you all produced or will be producing that keeps you here, keeps you jazzed about Delaware? Well, that's a, that's a good question. This trajectory over the past three years now, almost it's been, has been unusual. Normally, we would have tackled standard programming, standard concert production. I would have had a variety of interactions with figures over the course of the first year and the second year and uh, developed relationships. All that came in fits and spurts because we didn't know what we were doing. I had a lot, it was a long time before I really had any meaningful interactions with our patrons uh, because there was simply no way to do it. So in hindsight, looking back over it, it's just amazing that, that all of us, not just the Delaware Symphony, but all of the arts organizations did what they did uh, over the past three years. And I think we should all be very proud. I think we should also be very proud that we live in a state <laughs> that that supports its arts the way they do. The arts organizations, the nonprofits in general, but the arts organizations in the state of Delaware uh, fared in many ways far better than many other places in this country. And it says a great deal about the community and our leaders. Um, and so a lot of the anxiety, financial anxiety specifically, uh, that organizations around the country and the world were experiencing we didn't have quite the same level of anxiety. You know, I'm proud that we were able to do what we did. I'm most proud that through the process, as tense as it was, that the morale of the musicians in the orchestra and the relationship between the musicians of the orchestra and the management and the board all improved enormously. And it did because the only way to survive what we went through was to communicate. And uh, very quickly when we were making decisions, especially about health, I said, <laughs> I said to the orchestra and I said to the board, you know, if you're looking for me to make some sort of blanket decision about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, you're wrong. We're going to have to decide what we're all comfortable with. We all have brains and we all need to look at the evidence and look at the, the facts and figure out what we were going to do as far as the testing and as far as um, vaccination requirements and as far as spacing and performance and all of those kind of things. So through that process, um, we developed some pretty tight relationships and um, we're working on that and building on that. You know, we say we're kind of past COVID. I don't know that we are. I don't know that we really will ever be past COVID. 
Um, but um, we certainly appreciate what we're able to do now more than ever, I think. And I think that we're also um, relying on the relationships that we built through the hardest months that we went through and um, trying to remain positive going forward. I'm excited right now that we're able to actually look at planning a full season without any real fears of any shutdowns or emergency provisions. Um, but, you know, it's never far from the back of our minds. And I hate the word that people used, nimble. Everybody said all these organizations were nimble. But I think we all will be, at least in my generation, our generation, I think we'll all be, to some extent, in the back of our minds, capable of being nimble if we need to going forward. You had mentioned the dedicated group of musicians that you all work with. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that core group, right? What what do they look like? How long have they been playing? Uh, and what makes a great DSO musician? Well, that's my favorite thing to talk about. And um, I think that, you know, I, I tell everybody in, in every facet of the community, certainly the board and the staff and everybody involved, you know, without the musicians that are actually on the stage performing the music, you don't have a Delaware Symphony. There is no Delaware Symphony. So discussions about anything that does not include the musicians, the musicians' welfare and appreciation of their brilliance is short-sighted. Um, it's not just here. That's really any professional orchestra. And what we do have here is a professional orchestra in Delaware. Uh, the Delaware Symphony is different than some bigger orchestras like Philadelphia, New York, and Boston, et cetera, in that our musicians uh, are not full-time. They are part-time employees. They are musicians that exist throughout the Northeast Corridor that perform with a variety of different ensembles throughout the region. We have musicians that play with us, that play with the uh, Opera Philadelphia and the Philadelphia Ballet, uh, with the Reading Symphony, with the Harrisburg Symphony, with any number of orchestras in and around. Uh, they come from New York, they come from Baltimore, they come from as far south as Northern Virginia, and some from even further away. Like all professional orchestras, though, we have a core group of contracted musicians. There are 72 of them at this point. Uh, they do work, as many people know, under a collective bargaining agreement, which is part of uh, the American Federation of Musicians. They are on contract uh, year to year. You know, there's a, there are a lot of details that go into their performing. It's a lot of work for us to make sure that our that our conditions are exactly correct and uh, that we are honoring their needs as they should be. Um, but, you know, you, we were talking a little before the, we went online here about the tenure of the musicians. And, you know, people often come up to me, not only here, but in other places I've worked and said, now, what do I have to do to, to join the orchestra? How do I join the orchestra? And, <laughs> While you appreciate the enthusiasm, um, it's it's not really complicated, but it's not quite so easy to join. Um, as with any job, um, there's there's only an opening when there is an absence. And so musicians that audition and go through the process to audition for the Delaware Symphony, when openings do occur, 
tend to hold on to those positions for many, many years. We just had five members of the Delaware Symphony that we honored that retired during the course of the pandemic. And the combined length of tenure for the five musicians that uh, had retired was 246 years. So for a musician to win a position and stay with the orchestra for 30 years, sometimes 40 years, is not unheard of. Um, and just to be clear, uh, during the course of the year, we may have one opening, we may have two openings, we may have three, but we don't usually have a lot of openings. It's competitive. It is difficult, to be quite honest with you. It's very difficult to get a job, not only in the Delaware Symphony, but in any professional orchestra. The standards are quite high. What you hear on the stage when you come to the Delaware Symphony or any professional orchestra is cumulative experience and collective experience of 70 brilliant, brilliantly trained musicians. Rehearsal time is not long. And so um, the musicians, when they come to rehearsal, are prepared. And really, all we're doing is putting it together. So it's it's quite a process to watch. But uh, as far as joining an orchestra, there's not really a way that you can just call up and say, I want to come next Tuesday night to rehearsal. <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. Uh, it's the same as if you were a doctor and saying, well, you know, I, I, I just finished medical school. I want to join the staff at Penn. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. As you had mentioned, a symphony is not a symphony without its musicians. But a symphony with musicians is not anything without the music or the programs that they'll be playing. And you guys are fresh off of announcing your 23-24 season of shows. Uh, what can our listeners expect to see next season? Well, it's very exciting to talk about. Next season is, is going to be exciting for many different reasons. Our music director, David Amato, has agreed and has signed on to become our music director laureate. Uh, music director laureate position with the Delaware Symphony is a very big deal. The Delaware Symphony has been in existence for 118 years. And in the course of that 118 years, no music director has ever been offered the title of music director laureate. Um, I think it speaks volumes to David's dedication, David's brilliance, David's leadership over 20 years with the Delaware Symphony. And we're very excited that he next season will be joining us for our opening concert and our final concerts. On that opening concert, uh, we will be still celebrating Sergei Rachmaninoff uh, in his 150th anniversary. Pianist Stuart Goodyear, brilliant pianist that uh, I think has been known to some audiences in the area, will be coming to perform the Rhapsody on a Theme by Paganini, uh, which is an incredible work for orchestra and piano. Some of our some of our patrons know that. Uh, we'll also be featuring on that concert the enormous, brilliant work by Claude Debussy Lemaire, his, his painting, orchestral painting of the ocean and the sea and the wind. We have our concert in November where we'll welcome our first guest conductor to the Delaware Symphony stage, Michelle DeRusso. Michelle is a, a native of Argentina. She is of Italian and Argentinian descent, and she is coming in to do a concert of all Latin music. So we are going to be welcoming Joao Luis as our guitar soloist, soloist playing the Rodrigo Concerto for guitar. 
Also on that concert, we'll have music of uh, Arturo Marquez, Hinastera, the Estancia, the Four Dances for Orchestra. We'll also have the Rimsky-Korsakov Capriccio Espanol. And I think we've got a very exciting um, encore on that concert that may or may not involve a conga line. Then moving on into January, we will have another guest sol uh, artist with us, a guest conductor with us. A uh, friend of mine and known in the Philadelphia area, Andre Raphael, will be joining us in January. Andre, I've known for many, many years. He and I were in school together. Uh, Andre uh, was an associate conductor with the Philadelphia Orchestra, has had positions all over the country, is recently uh, just conducted the Boston Symphony in a series of concerts. He's coming in to conduct a concert that will um, really be what I call kind of a meat and potatoes concert. We have great soloist Jennifer Frouchy is the violinist coming in to do the Beethoven Violin Concerto, which is arguably one of the most famous violin concertos in the world. Uh, we'll also have on that program an enormous piece for orchestra, the Ottorino Respighi Pines of Rome, which if you've not experienced live, you really should. It is terrific. There are trumpets in the balcony and an organ and all kind of great, great music and great sounds in that concert. Um, we're real excited that next season we will be honoring our American composer, John Williams, in a concert of all John Williams scores. This is our Classics Four concert. Uh, Larry Lowe, Lawrence Lowe, guest conductor, will be coming in to conduct that. Larry is a John Williams um, enthusiast, to say the least, and uh, it's a brilliant program that he put together. It is split into three sets. One is what he calls his Spielberg set, which are pieces that were specifically written for Steven Spielberg movies. Uh, one is what he calls his Potter set, which is scores from the great Harry Potter series. And then, of course, there will be a Star Wars set and that will end the concert in March. Uh, David will be back with us to end the season in April, and he will be conducting uh, one of the large symphonies of Gustav Mahler. David's conducting and knowledge of Mahler is extraordinary. Um, the works of Mahler for orchestra are truly remarkable and should not be missed, and we're looking forward to, to ending the season on that high note. There's some other concerts during the course of the season. We have our chamber series, which is uh, going to continue. In uh, the fall, we'll be featuring the percussionists of the Delaware Symphony. We, during COVID actually, we did a concert with the percussionists and it was incredibly successful. Um, tons of instruments, tons of different music from all different genres. And we'll be performing that. We will return next December to the Hotel DuPont, to the Gold Ballroom. And we're excited for that concert. We brought that back this past season with great success. The concert sold out very quickly. And I'm sure it will again this year. That's on December the 12th. And then we are going to do a concert in February, which I'm very excited about. It's a chamber concert featuring solos from the orchestra and different musicians playing music of the African diaspora. It's a concert that was really exciting to put together. There are scores for orchestra, not only for orchestra, but for chamber groups that have been wrongfully ignored for years by brilliant composers. 
On this concert, we'll be featuring the music of Jesse Montgomery, Adolphus Hailstork, Carlos Simon, Valerie Coleman, and Samuel Cooleridge Taylor. That's a concert I'm very excited about doing in February. We've got a full season and it looks like a lot of fun. I think that looking forward, one of the things you asked me about is what I look forward to. I look forward to witnessing the continued enthusiasm of audiences. This past March, we played for what I believe might have been the first sold out house in many, many years at the Grand. Our ticket sales continue to rise with each and every single concert. We hope that we're giving our patrons more of a welcoming experience when they come to concerts. The staff here at the Delaware Symphony has changed, and we have a terrific staff of cheerleaders. One of the things that I instill, I hope, in all of them is that we are producing music, and we are selling, if you want to say, music and selling this incredible artistry that we have on stage. But what we're also responsible for is producing wonderful experiences. I believe that the staff that is here in place now uh, understands that, and we take it very, very seriously. It's hard to throw a party every month for 800 or 1,000 people, but that's really what we're in the business of doing. It's exciting. It could be exhausting, but it's exciting. And the energy that exists in a room with that many people, with that much brilliance on the stage, is something that really can't be touched. JC, thank you so much for joining me today. If you want to learn more about attending a performance, subscribing, or what's next for the Delaware Symphony, feel free to join them at their website at DelawareSymphony.org. 